for entrepreneurs, if you're a freelancer, a consultant, as I was until fairly recently, I see opportunities for consultants to assist, much as I did, small and medium enterprises to navigate the process of, of the supply chain, establishing global trade connections in all respects, from everything from vendor sourcing, goods sourcing, goods inspection, to the customs and the importation logistics portions of that. Most medium-sized companies don't have that expertise, that depth of expertise in-house. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Looking Forward, Opportunities for Job, Career, Business, and Investment Seekers. If that describes you, then this is the podcast for you. If you're a freelancer, a startup or small business, a well-established company, a nonprofit, or even someone thinking about a second or possibly a third career, this is for you too. You see, here in Looking Forward, we focus on global trends in the future, but most importantly, on the opportunities they're creating. Our guest experts will not only tell you about those opportunities, they will also give you some tips to help you take the first steps toward capitalizing on them. I'm your host, Jeff Ostroff. Hi, everyone. You know, before I spoke with today's guest expert, Martin Bullen, I didn't know very much about supply chains. Do you? But hey, after speaking with him, I've not only learned about what a supply chain is, I've learned about so many opportunities that supply chain management offers to anyone from freelancers to corporations of any size. I hope you feel the same way after listening to this episode. To learn more about Martin, listen to the episode and check the show notes. To learn more about how my business can help you share your story on our Voices in the Spotlight show, or learn more about our other services, check out our website, www.jeff-ostroff.com. And please, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. Now, before I speak with Martin, I want to say a few words about the International Council for Small Business, or ICSB. ICSB was founded in 1955, and it's the oldest and largest nonprofit organization devoted to small businesses internationally. To learn more about ICSB, please visit their website, www.icsb.org. And please let them know you heard about ICSB on the Looking Forward podcast. And hey, if you want us to mention your organization on the show, please contact us for more details. Okay, let's get started. Well, hi, Martin. Welcome to Looking Forward, Opportunities for Job, Career, Business, and Investment Seekers. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, it's good to be here. Well, it's good to have you on. You're an expert on a topic that most people could care less about up until COVID came. And most people didn't know what that was. And that, of course, is the supply chain. It's a very interesting topic and clearly has become much more recognizable and important to people since COVID has begun. So let's start off, Martin, by asking you when and why you got involved in the supply chain, doing work that relates to the supply chain. I think that would be interesting for our listeners to know. As you might be able to tell, I'm not from the U.S., but I've lived here for many years. Yes. And my first job when I came to the U.S., I was working for a distribution company in Chicago and in their management grooming program. And they put me in the purchasing department to learn the ropes there. And of course, purchasing is one of the, uh, the key 
components of the supply chain. I found myself being interested in, in, in the whole procurement business. From there, because of my international connections, they have predominantly been from other American companies. And I saw an opportunity to do some business with some companies from the UK that I was familiar with and do some direct purchasing from overseas. That ultimately springboarded after a couple of career moves after that. I joined a company that was building a presence in China and elsewhere around the world. So they're purchasing operations. And I became heavily involved in that with them. And then in a couple of other positions, I ended up running local representative offices for those companies in China, Taiwan, and even in India and Russia at one point as well. Martin, some of our listeners may not know what we mean by a supply chain. What is the probably the simplest definition you can give as to what a supply chain is? I like to use the analogy of if you ask a child, where does milk come from? They'd say, well, milk comes from a supermarket. As adults, we know that milk comes from cows and it's somewhere in the process that gets milk from the cow to the supermarket where you go and buy it. That's an example of a supply chain. So in in essence, it's the entire process of production, the movement of goods and their component parts in the transitive process. It's the touches, every step in the process, every handoff, every link is part of building a chain, a supply chain. Those links, they're, they're consciously built. Each one is a decision. And in many cases, it's not so much forging a chain from new links, they're hitching a chain together from existing links. So it's taking an existing company that makes a product and then building a connection so that your company might buy that product, but then building the connection through the shipping process and the other transportive elements that take place that build the links in that chain. Core elements to a typical supply chain, sourcing of goods, so identifying those sources of supply, whether that's the, the component manufacturers, even raw material manufacturers, or even finished good manufacturers, the procurement or purchasing of those supplies, the logistics, the shipping of the, of those goods to their destination, and then the fulfillment of those goods to the end customer. So it's really everything from beginning to end of that process as a supply chain. The reality is that the supply chain is actually multiple chains, many of which are interconnected, each of which is related to a particular product particular company or particular service or even a utility. Most commonly, we identify supply chains with, with finished goods, but it applies to, to information and to, to energy supply and to all aspects of our daily life. Wow. One of the things I like to think about, though, in terms of the supply chain is also as a management discipline. It's not just a process, but it's also a way of looking at how a company is run. So from a business perspective, if you stop looking at just procurement or just logistics or just fulfillment, Instead, look at the chain and the connections. Then you're starting to look at your overall operations and identify opportunities for improvement. It's a very good explanation. Before I ask you about trends nowadays, I'm wondering if we hadn't had COVID, would supply chains have had as much importance as they seem to now? Were they always considered by companies to be a super important thing and people really need to have great skills in supply chain management and we're looking for people like that? Or was everything really accelerated or exacerbated or whatever because of COVID? It was definitely exacerbated. Supply chains before COVID were like a swan. So it looked serene on the surface, but of course it's paddling heck underneath too. (laughs) Yeah. With COVID, suddenly we saw what was happening underneath the swan. 
And in, instead of the swans swimming serenely, it started swimming in circles. The pandemic exposed the vulnerabilities in the supply chain in a way that was not clearly visible prior to that. What's interesting about that, Martin, is I just had a guest on my other podcast, Healthcare on the Horizon, and he was speaking about how COVID exposed weaknesses that we had in lab testing and our ability to do enough lab tests quickly enough and get the results quickly and all that stuff. So it's just so interesting what COVID sparked. And this is another example of that. Let's talk about trends, Martin. We're three years into COVID. Some people would say it's almost over. It is over or it's never going to be over. Regardless, where are we now in terms of the trends that you're seeing with supply chain management? So COVID certainly exposed many vulnerabilities in the supply chain. Supply chain, like any production facility, works best when operations are consistent, when you can when you have regular demand, when you level load, and if suddenly people start buying toilet paper by the pickup truck full, then of course things go sideways in the heart. The trend has been to look for solutions to some of the weaknesses that COVID exposed. I think one of the ones that we're hearing about a lot is the need to what they're calling decoupling from China and the diversification of production sources. That's very much a trend that, that emerged from COVID. Other words have been thrown around that are really part of that are onshoring and nearshoring, where manufacturing, especially production, is being brought back to the US or to other locations that are more geographically proximate to the consumption source. We see it clearly in the United States, but that's also true in the rest of the world as well, where the need to be less vulnerable to the vicissitudes of port closures or high shipping costs. Just as an example, we saw something like that where when the, that large container ship blocked the Suez Canal and the effect that it had on trade, that wasn't COVID specifically, but it exposed incidents like that, exposed weaknesses in the supply chain. The Suez Canal is the notorious choke point because it's blocked for nine days and it causes all sorts of issues. Yeah. More in Europe than it did for us in the United States because more American goods come either into the Pacific ports across the Pacific Ocean where they go through the Panama Canal and then up the East Coast from there. But it exposed a vulnerability just as COVID exposed vulnerabilities. So now companies are reacting to that by trying to bring at least some elements of their production back closer to home. However, for all of that, there's also the trend of business unfortunately has a very short-term memory. And it's very easy, particularly in a bottom-line-driven environment, to be looking at the costs associated with trying to address vulnerabilities in the supply chain and turn around and say, looks like it's working okay now. Why do we need to spend this money? Why do we need to invest this capital? Look, the goods are still cheaper in China or Taiwan or the Philippines or from Brazil or wherever. So why do we need to address that? We're definitely seeing contradictory friends in this regard. But I think the stronger of those for a combination of the vulnerabilities security concerns, which we'll probably talk about a little bit later as well, the vulnerability of ports, whether it's things like filling up with empty containers, which we saw during the pandemic, or entry strikes by longshoremen, which were being talked about on the West Coast. Both trends are still ultimately stronger, I think, at the moment at least, than the desire to always look at the bottom line. You alluded, Martin, to the fact that COVID exposed some real issues in the supply chain that maybe had 
possibly been there, but they were lurking underneath the water with that swan, right? Does that then create opportunities, which is, of course, the focus of looking forward for job, career, business, or investment seekers? And it doesn't necessarily have to be or, it could be and. What is your assessment of that? Because that's what the listeners are particularly interested in. Where might you be seeing opportunities? I think there are opportunities for all of those individuals, organizations, Jeff. Great. Looking at it from an individual perspective, as far as both individuals themselves and their jobs and their careers, I think one of the takeaways from COVID and from the pandemic has been the global connectedness of supply chains. One of the things I've learned both over the years with my personal experiences, or very importantly during COVID, was how valuable it is for an individual to have a second language, whether it's Chinese, which has obvious advantages, Spanish is a, is a great second language if you're in the Americas to, to learn. To have that skill of having a second language immediately opens doors. It opens a, a range of opportunities in supply chain, whether that's a global appointment or the ability to secure a position because you have the knowledge and the ability to communicate with the other people in the supply chain around the globe. It's a tremendous advantage to have that second language. Yeah, I believe it. Also, not just in terms of a second language, but build your expertise, become an expert. There's nothing more valuable to any business operation, but in the supply chain, if you can become an expert in a field, it's a great springboard to growing a career. One of the things, for example, that I think is going to, we're going to see becoming increasingly important in the future is security concerns with international trade. There's a mm-hmm. push in Congress at the moment to increase the surveillance that takes place of global shipments and to increase the inspection rates that take place in U.S. ports of entry. There are already programs in place, CTPAT, which is Customs Trade Partnership Against Terrorism, Every shipment that comes into the U.S. has to be accompanied by an ISF 10 plus 2 form. That's the import security filing form. The understanding of those requirements, I think, is is a tremendous career opportunity. So for somebody looking to become involved in the supply chain, to become knowledgeable about those sorts of issues in that field, and in the adjacent field of trade compliance, which is also a, a huge area, then I see that as being a tremendous opportunity. Trade compliance touches on things, as we saw under Trump, the NAFTA agreement was replaced by the USMCA. That changed the rules of content for what's considered to be manufactured within North America. So to understand those rules of content, to understand things like tariff codes, which is the system by which customs categorizes the goods that are being imported and exported, to have that knowledge and that basic knowledge is a tremendous springboard and opportunity as trade globally continues to be very important. For entrepreneurs, if you're a freelancer, a consultant, as I was until fairly recently, I see opportunities for consultants to assist, much as I did, small and medium enterprises to navigate the process of, of the supply chain, establishing global trade connections in all respects, from everything from vendor sourcing, goods sourcing, goods inspection, to the customs and the importation logistics portions of that. Most medium-sized companies don't have that expertise, that depth of expertise in-house. It's the sort of area where an expert can assist those companies 
to enable them to participate in an area that might have previously been the exclusive domain of, of larger companies. It helps them to compete. There are more specific opportunities as well. Something that very much came to the fore when President Trump applied the Section 301 tariffs, the, the punitive tariffs were applied to the importation of goods from China. There were a lot of personal negotiations about what should or should not be included. Cases were submitted to the government to ask for certain categories of goods to be exempted from those tariffs on the basis that there were no comparable U.S. products widely available. Those tariffs are in many cases refundable if the goods that are either purchased or that are purchased and then integrated into the production of goods that are then exported in both cases. There are opportunities to reclaim those large tariffs. So that's the sort of thing where a, an entrepreneur, freelancer, can come in and offer that service to a business because, again, it, it's specialized knowledge. Yeah. So for investors and for businesses as well, for that matter, one of the things that now it's very important to consider is the availability of government partnerships and government assistance. President Biden, through his initiatives to try to rebuild American manufacturing, has developed policies and programs to, that offer economic breaks to, to businesses, to investors, to help them grow their operations back in the United States. So for American businesses, there's a range of opportunities when considering building a supply chain. It's important to consider what the, what those breaks might be and what's available to, to support your company, support your investment. This is a quick throwaway, if you like, in terms of opportunities. We're obviously reading a lot at the moment and hearing a lot in the media at the moment about alternative energy of one sort or another, whether it's wind farms, solar panels, electric cars, but something we haven't heard quite so much about, which I think could be a tremendous opportunity for investors and for business. We think about the concerns of a plastic garbage pile in the middle of the Pacific and the implications of that. I believe that we're going to see a, an initiative for more sustainable and recyclable packaging. So. If I were an investor and if I were a business, I would be looking at both investing in that sort of business, but also to support supply chains, putting in place packaging operations of that sort, local to where manufacturing is moving to, in order to have that piece, the packaging piece of the supply chain ready to support the business as it grows. Beyond that, every company likes to think they have a strategic plan. Typically, all too often, they end up getting Talked about for three months, they put on the shelf and nobody reads them. Exactly. The reality of planning is for the supply chain, it should be just like a budget. Every good budget, you have the budget you expect, the budget you hope for, and the budget you fear. And, and you have plans in place to position your business according to each and every one of those that you see emerging through the course of your budgeting year. For the supply chain and supply chain operations, you need to adopt a similar approach to make sure that you have contingency plans in place. A great example of that in the supply chain is the implementation of dual sourcing for key components of any production operation. And a key component isn't necessarily the most expensive portion. It could be something very minor. Good example of that is all the cars were sitting on lots couldn't be sold during the pandemic because key components, even small things, couldn't be sourced. Ford, for example, I happened to gain some insight into this through business, sources jacks that go in the Explorer models from China. If you suddenly can't get a jack so you can't change a spare wheel unless you're using run flat tires, then you can't sell that vehicle anymore. So yeah. it's 
important to have a second source for items that are critical to the production of your goods. Finally, I think for businesses, something that I'd like to point out as being an opportunity is to zig when others zag. One of the things we saw in the pandemic in the United States was a move to, well, near shore, we talked about. That led to a lot of businesses starting to look to Mexico as being somewhere close by, somewhere where goods could ship across the border where the supply chain was greatly shortened. Prior to that, we saw similar trends taking place for Chinese production being moved to countries like Vietnam and Thailand, where the U.S. implemented some punitive tariffs to penalize dumping of certain categories of tires, for example, that were being made in China, and then subsequently the Section 301 tariffs. That led to Chinese companies scrambling to move aspects of their production to Vietnam, Thailand, other countries outside China, so that they weren't subject to those same duties. That led to a bonanza if you were in those other countries, because suddenly it was a seller's market. What that means, though, is if everybody else is looking at Mexico as a business, I would recommend you start looking still at China. Don't exclude looking at China, because if if a lot of Chinese companies are losing business, there are going to be a lot of hungry Chinese companies out there that are going to be welcoming new business opportunities with open arms. So one of the keys to building a, a resilient supply chain, and one of the opportunities is to assist companies and for companies themselves to build a resilient, multifaceted supply chain with links that stretch all over the globe. Don't build a single chain, build multiple chains of supply. Just to be prepared for all these different eventualities. And it's interesting, it sounds like where the supply chain meets supply and demand. I really hope you're enjoying this episode so far. If you are, can you please do me a small favor? Let some of your family members, friends, or others in your network know about it and about looking forward opportunities for job, career, business, and investment seekers. And hey, if you happen to like this podcast, my interviewing approach, or maybe even my voice, please consider checking out some of the many services my business provides. These include podcast hosting, creation, and consulting, voiceovers, professional interviewing, production of audio or video profiles to help you sell your business, promote your services, increase your customers, or raise funding, and services to help you market to the large and growing seniors population. That's something I've actually written a book about. To learn more, please visit www.jeff-ostroff.com. You can also email me at jeff at jeff-ostroff.com. Now let's get back to this episode of Looking Forward, Opportunities for Job, Career, Business, and Investment Seekers. Martin, all of these opportunities, or maybe I'll say most of them, I'm assuming they're applicable not just in the United States. You may have used that as an example but they could be applicable to people who live in other parts of the world. As far as the applicability of these opportunities more widely, obviously some of the things I talked about related specifically to the United States as far as economic policies. Yes. But there are universals in all of that too. Tariff codes and the categorization of goods and becoming an expert in that. Global. They're a global skill. Harmonized tariff codes are reasonably uniform. Uniform around the globe, certain countries have different rules and different categorizations for different classes of goods. But aspects of that and general trade compliance, country of origin 
requirements around the globe, those are all different opportunities in their individual markets. The need to build a resilient and redundant supply chain is also something that is current. So I think the fundamental lessons, if you're listening to this, whether you're in the EU or you're in Australia or somewhere else around the world, obviously President Biden's policies aren't going to have an effect on you, but in your country and your market, you have your own economic situation, which personally I'm not individually familiar with, but there are definitely going to be opportunities that relate to the specifics of how government and business work to go create opportunities within the supply chain. Broadly speaking, I think what we've been discussing, Jeff, is very applicable regardless of where the, where the listener is located. Okay, thanks. And I would also assume, correct me if I'm wrong, based on what you've been saying, Morton, opportunities exist, though they may differ, in both business and government. Absolutely. Yeah. Looking forward is also about looking into the future. Mm-hmm. And we don't ask you to look into the 2030s and 2040s. It's hard enough to look into tomorrow. But if you had to guess, Martin, as you think about the supply chain and as you think about these opportunities, what do you see that could happen? How might things evolve through the rest of the decade? It's definitely a challenge, Jeff. There's, there's a whole swirl of often contradictory forces taking place economically, globally, and within the supply chain globally as well. But I think one of the large trends that we're seeing right now is how companies like Amazon and Walmart are taking ever greater control of their own supply chains and their own logistics. We see it with all the Amazon trucks that are now out on the road delivering goods. I believe Amazon now delivers close to 75% or so of the goods purchased from them, whereas previously they used to be much more heavily reliant on the United States Postal Service and on UPS and other third-party providers. Interesting. On the other side of it, for the importation of goods, Amazon makes their own containers. They have operations in China where they make their own shipping containers. And Walmart and Amazon are talking about, and in fact have already chartered their own exclusive ships to take greater control of the inbound logistics as well as the, the fulfillment portion of the supply chain as well. So I think we're going to see those large companies taking ever greater control. Globally, we're going to see the supply chain reconfigure, I think, over the next several years as well. We're already seeing that with the nearshoring and onshoring that we've already talked about. One of the trends that we're seeing is how China, which has obviously been one of the, if not the major manufacturing center for the globe over the last 20 odd years, China no longer has the world's largest population. India just passed or is just about to pass China in that regard. And the demographics indicate that uh, thanks to their prior one-child policy, the Chinese population is going to be aging and decreasing. And as a result, manufacturing, labor-intensive manufacturing will no longer be the the exclusive province of Chinese companies. So we're going to see some adjustment of that where countries like India with younger and growing populations, Indonesia, Possibly, if we look into the 2030s and on beyond that, Africa as well, where younger and growing populations lead to the growth of manufacturing operations and the reconfiguration of the supply chain to those markets. Beyond that, well, there's bigger trends in business as a whole. We see a lot of consolidation and realignment in the supply chain. So we see more and more consolidation of mature industries. The car industry is a good example of that. That sort of trend is something that I think we're going to see as well, where companies are going to consolidate. And they're also going to, as we mentioned with Amazon and Walmart, moving up and down to take greater control of their logistics operations. 
more and more manufacturers are looking at direct consumer sales. Retailers are moving back into manufacturing so that they have more control over their ultimate destiny. So I think those are trends that we're going to see. And of course, as companies become more vertically integrated, then their supply chains adjust and they need to bring more of those capabilities in-house than they might previously have had had to deploy outside resources. So I think those are going to be some of the trends that we're going to see outside some of the larger forces that we read about in the media every day, whether it's political strife, war in the Ukraine, Russia, all of that sort of thing, which are potential for war across the Taiwan Strait between China and Taiwan. Those are bigger forces. We can't really predict what's going to happen there. Yes, and certainly there are a lot of possibilities there that you've spoken about and implications in one way, based on something you suggest, Martin, it seems to indicate that perhaps there may be more jobs available, but with fewer companies because they are consolidating. I think that's true. Although if you if you take the poorest definition of supply chain and look at, look at it as including just about everything in the whole production process of goods, inevitably one of the trends that you see when companies consolidate and mature is you see competitors popping up. You see the emergence of new businesses. Yeah, that's true. The brewing industry in the United States is a great example of that over the last 50 years where so many of the, the major brewers ended up consolidating and then being acquired internationally, but then we saw a major trend contradicted that of the emergence of microbreweries, brew pubs, and so forth. I think that while we're going to see the big players get bigger, we're also going to see renewed opportunities for smaller players and the emergence of new companies. Martin, one of the things that we like to leave our listeners with, in addition to having our guests tell them where they can reach the guest, is what might be a couple or three tips that you can give to them that will point them in the right direction to capitalizing on one or more of those opportunities that you've been talking about, some practical steps they might take to begin that journey. I definitely think I already mentioned second language, developing a second language skill. I see that as a key tip for somebody who wants to work in supply chain. Yeah. I would encourage both individuals and businesses to think locally, but act locally outside the narrow vision of their particular silos. So break out of the silos. So the other tip I'd have, Jeff, is that business is ultimately all about communication. The supply chain is all about the communication, whether it's verbal communication or the communication of goods, those links in the chain that we talked about. So business ultimately in supply chain is built on relationships. The single biggest tip I think I could give to businesses and to individuals is to travel, whether you travel for your personal growth and to build personal relationships, or most importantly in business, travel to meet your business partners, your vendors, your logistics providers, your customer service providers, build up personal relationships. Personal relationships are the foundation of your supply chain. If you're an American company, a European company, your vendor is in China or Taiwan or the Philippines or Brazil, travel to meet your vendors. Take the time to visit your supply chain partners. They will appreciate that. They will understand that you regard them seriously as providers. You will have a relationship with them. Don't expect them necessarily to come to you. Build those relationships in the foundation of your supply chain ultimately. Can't emphasize enough the importance of travel and the importance of those personal connections. That's great to hear because now everything had moved in the direction of virtual because of COVID and people weren't getting out enough and probably still aren't getting out as much anymore to do those sorts of things. So it's sometimes nice to go back to the future, which is kind of what you're talking about there, Martin, is get back on the road, get in the air, meet face to face, 
We moved away from that. Zoom has its place, but there's also an important place for people getting to meet each other eyeball to eyeball. And I'm so glad you emphasized that. Martin, this has been a fantastic episode with you. Great information shared. So helpful. Lots of opportunities. How can our listeners find out more about you? Anything else like a resource or anything else that you would want to suggest to them would be most appreciated. Well, thanks, Jeff. Uh, yes, yeah, so the best way to find me, you can find me on LinkedIn, Martin Bullen, M-A-R-T-I-N-B-U-L-L-E-N. And you can also contact me directly via email, bullenproservices at gmail.com. That's B-U-L-L-E-N-P-R-O-S-E-R-V-I-C-E-S at gmail.com. Great. Thanks again, Martin. Thanks for listening to this episode of Looking Forward, Opportunities for Job, Career, Business, and Investment Seekers. I hope you've enjoyed it and will benefit from it. And if you did like it, please share this episode with anyone you know who you think might also find it of value. And if you have any comments or questions about Looking Forward or any suggestions for future topics or guest experts, you can reach me at the website www.jeff-ostroff.com or through my email address jeff at jeff-ostroff.com. Thanks.